It's 5 o'clock in pirate country, and it's time to get pumped up with the P-Man. Hit the door and hit the road. 94.3 The Game is going to get you home, and the P-Man's not holding back. on the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Holy mackerel! Oh my goodness! The flagship station of the ECU Pirates. <laughs> All right. Uh, hello again, everybody, and welcome in. It is the Patrick Johnson Show here on 94.3 The Game. 94.3thegame.com is where we're streaming live, and of course, you can pick us up anywhere on your uh, mobile device or tablet or iPad. The IBX Media app, it's free for Download get uh, download at Google Play in the App Store. Uh, nice to have you along uh, here today, and uh, I wanted to uh, uh, tell you we're going to have uh, an old friend on uh, with us uh, here today. Wags, I got Matlock on in the background. Do you see this uh, pilk? Uh, hot damn, Matlock wins another one. He didn't win the last one because he was on the jury. But um, I want to know what uh, we got. Wags talking uh, college baseball. Uh, Jonathan Wagner with. Uh, now uh, on three, is that right? Yeah, he'll be on. He's been to a couple of ACC media days already, ECU's media day. he's I think he's full in baseball mode. He's ready for basketball to be over. He's all full force ahead on baseball. Well, uh, because we've got basketball tomorrow night, uh, Pilk will be hosting the show tomorrow. just didn't jive with my schedule and everything I've got to do tomorrow to uh, do a show at any point during the day. So we're going to let uh, Pilk handle everything tomorrow which will be good, uh, and he'll get you ready for uh, ECU and uh, South Florida. Talk with the South Florida folks today, and uh, they're just doing a really fine job of running the offense right now and knocking down threes at a uh, pretty good clip. So uh, this will not be an easy uh, test tomorrow for uh, Mike Schwartz's team against the uh, Bulls of South Florida coming in. Uh, so a good crowd needs to uh, to to come on out and support. I think we're going to do a uh, – do we have tickets to give away, Pilk? Are we going to give away uh, – uh, a, a pair or a family four pack coming up. Uh, here, I uh, forgot to, to grab. Break. Let me go run and, and check. Okay. Well, uh, it is a full baseball day. That's uh, why he's the best in the game, uh, folks. There, the uh, producer Philip the Ref Pilkington, and uh, we're, we're uh, going to do uh, play some audio from the Pirate players from Media Day that the position players we've not gotten to yet. That's coming up. Uh, what else do we have coming up? Uh, oh. Uh, I wanted to, uh, William, let Pilk know, let, let me know when he's back because I, I want to talk to him about, uh, this. I want to get his hot takery, uh, on, uh, on this bit of information, uh, that, uh, is an article that came out this morning and, uh, we were talking about it on the morning show and uh, I thought it would be apropos to talk about here. It's something we have kind of talked about before, uh, in the vein of baseball expansion, but, uh, here is, uh, a programming note for you, uh, a couple programming notes for you. Tomorrow, as we mentioned, uh, 6.30 airtime, 7 o'clock uh, tip, ECU and Tulsa, uh, excuse me, uh, ECU and uh, South Florida tomorrow uh, will be playing one another. And then uh, I thought it was this in, in this email, but it must be in another uh, email. And uh, Bobby, bop, bop, bop. I'll come back to that in a second. Uh, this is... Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, we've got pirate basketball coming up on, uh, yes, here it is on, uh, Thursday at six as it will be, uh, ECU women taking on Tulsa. We'll air that game for you here on 94, three, the game. All right. Pilker, you back? Have I tap danced enough? Yeah, I'm back. We have a family four pack of tickets. 
Excellent. All right. So, um, article coming out this morning. Uh, it is from the centersquare.com, which uh, covers uh, North Carolina. Uh, and it talks about the possibility of Major League Baseball expansion in North Carolina. Now, where do you think they're talking about that expansion happening, uh, Philip, if you had to guess? We're I'd talking say about Major League Baseball expansion in the state of North Carolina. Where would you say? Based off previous things I've seen, I'd say the triangle. Yep. Well, this is saying uh, Raleigh. Not Charlotte, Raleigh. Uh, I'll read from the article that uh, I believe Alan Wooten wrote. Alan, of course, for years was at the uh, Reflector and does some writing now and uh, still is here in Greenville. We might need to get him on. Uh, Once independent of each other, groups that want to bring Major League Baseball to Raleigh are working in collaboration. MLB is yet to open up the process, but getting things in place ahead of the finalization of situations involving the Oakland A's and Tampa Rays, the commissioner's Two timeline pieces is advantageous. Uh, what figures to be is advantageous in what figures to be? I can read a competitive process to land one of two openings that will give baseball 32 teams. So a two team expansion. Uh, Tom Dundon is involved uh, in this, uh, as is uh, Governor Cooper. Uh, say what you want to say about uh, Governor Cooper, but uh, one thing we do know about uh, the man and. Uh, that is. You're looking at a big sports fan right here. Indeed. I love sports. He does. And I didn't think there was a whole lot to this till I heard Dundon was involved. Uh, the article uh, estimating uh, the population of North Carolina at 10.8 million, so it's the ninth most populous state in the country. First seven have at least two major league teams. Georgia has uh, one at number eight. Of course, that's the Braves state without a major pro franchise until the uh, Hornets in 88, followed by the Panthers in 95 and the Canes in 98 is North Carolina. Uh, hockey non-traditional in the South. Currently, the Canes are number number seven in attendance. Did you know that, Pilk? The Canes are number seven in, uh, in attendance in the NHL. Baseball is traditional in the state's uh, 10 teams in the minor leagues include two in AAA, four in high A, and four in single A. Uh, in October, Dundon told the North Carolina Sports Network, I will lead a group to put our best foot forward to get a Major League Baseball team in North Carolina. I know that I'm biased, but I think Raleigh's the best place in the country for a new MLB team. And when I say that, I think we have facts that back that up. Uh, of course, Dundon bought the uh, Hurricanes franchise in 2018. He's uh, a billionaire in his own right. Uh, so Tom is Tom Dundon's the perfect person to kind of be the front person uh, for this. Of course, we know the Rays have uh, uh, gotten their stadium situation straight in St. Petersburg. They're going to get a new dome stadium that is smaller and newer. Uh, you have the uh, Oakland team moving the franchise to uh, Las Vegas. So uh, you have that. Uh, Ve- Nashville is the betting favorite in this. Charlotte is among the betting favorites, uh, too. Uh, we've heard Portland over the years. We've heard Montreal here in recent years. Uh, I think Salt Lake City has started to emerge, although I think Salt Lake City might wind up having uh, an, an NHL team uh, if, if there's expansion in that department. Uh, but I could see a baseball team winding up uh, there. Uh, and now you have Raleigh kind of thrown into the mix. There was a little bit of talk of Orlando trying to lure Tampa uh, to O-Town, but that really didn't get off the ground. It wasn't terribly serious. It uh, was was uh, kind of a last-minute Hail Mary uh, attempt. And uh, Pat Williams, who's a great guy who brought the magic to Orlando, 
uh, kind of headed this uh, effort down in uh, Orlando to bring the Rays over to, to Orlando, and it just just never really got off the ground. It was kind of a, a pipe dream at uh, best. But, uh, Pilk, what do you make of this? Yeah, I mean, you know, th- when you talk about expansion, it's so hard because you can't expand by one team. Like, you know, the NHL did that, but they don't play their schedule like baseball does. So it's going to have to be two teams. Right. Um I think it's interesting. I think it would be a great area. You know, we already mentioned the love for minor league baseball here. I think if they're in either Eastern Division, you know, you have, I know you don't want the opposing team's fans showing up, but there's a lot of Braves fans, if, you know, and Phillies fans in the area, if you're looking at the National League side of things. If you look at the American League side of things, Red Sox and Yankees. So that would help sell tickets. And, you know, this is just an area that loves its college baseball, loves its minor league baseball, loves its high school baseball. Um, you know, I can't really speak on some of those other cities. Nashville's always going to be, you know, a hot commodity. Uh, not really sure how much they care about baseball in Salt Lake, but I know Montreal wants one as well. But I think this would be really cool. It's just a matter of expanding in Major League Baseball is very, very tough with scheduling. So I don't even know if it's going to happen. I know they keep talking about it, but it's going to be interesting. But I would love to see it. Oh, no, Raleigh. it's, it, it's going to happen. I don't, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Uh, the Raleigh thing for Charlotte, even though I do think Raleigh, both places would have their challenges building a stadium. Raleigh could probably build a stadium a little more uh, easily maybe than Charlotte. There's really nowhere to put a stadium in Charlotte without closing roads or maybe even toppling buildings, right? Because you can't really expand that stadium that the Knights play in out per se, can you? Yeah, you would only be able to expand it to left field. And that would just wouldn't add enough seats, unfortunately. And the crappy thing about Charlotte is if you're outside that 277 loop right downtown. Nobody's going to go. Yeah, nobody's going to go. You're looking at either a bad area or just an area that's got a lot of older residential houses that are extremely nice that you couldn't tear down. And, you know, a lot of places, big markets, you can go just on the outskirts of the city. I don't see Charlotte being that way. When they had the minor league team down in Fort Mill, it was horrendous. And it wasn't because the stadium wasn't nice or the team wasn't performing. It's because the location was terrible i mean they would almost have to the only way i could see it i know this sounds crazy it sounds like a hot take but it truly is the only way it would work is to find a way to like put them at the racetrack somehow to use that land near the track or make it a dual thing somehow which would be really cool but um yeah at least there's a lot of restaurants hotels it's right off i-85 there but that would be the only way i think they could go with it yeah and yeah, that, that that you're probably right on that. You know, in Raleigh, there was talk of building this soccer stadium and entertainment complex uh, in the south part of the uh, city there. It kind of got nowhere. The gentrif- gentrification folks came out. Of course, that whole area is kind of being uh, uh, changed as far as the demographics, that sort of south Raleigh uh, area. But, uh, you know, if that, that, that gives you the downtown access, that gives you um, – they have land to do it. You know, where they've talked about building this stadium. I, I can't quote you chapter and verse, you know, exact area, but I think you'd know what I was talking about if, you, if you're familiar with Raleigh. You know, I, I think Henry said this morning something about RTP. I, I just can't see it succeeding necessarily at the level they would need it to at RTP unless – now, and there are some, some efforts to kind of build a, uh, you know, more, res, more housing, uh, trendy housing in that, uh, in that RTP area and mixed-use stuff, but – to me, I think that this is uh, the sort of thing where um, you're looking at 
you know, if you start to think about it, and I've thought about it a lot here this, today, I think Raleigh makes a lot of sense. Now, are there better candidates? Montreal, although they have lost a team, they're committed to building a stadium. Uh, Nashville, much like Raleigh, and uh, to a degree, Charlotte is a growing southern city. You don't really have to worry about the weather as much in a place like Nashville. Um, you know, uh, Portland has been mentioned. I, I, you know, I don't know. Portland's a, not a huge, I mean, it's a big city, but it's not a big city. Does that make sense, Pilk? Does that, you understand what I'm saying there? Yeah, I, I know exactly. It's kind of weird. They're not, they, they like the Timbers and the Blazers, but there's a lot of artsy people in, in Portland. It's harder to get them to buy into a sports thing there. The West Coast people are a little odd. Well, the Blazers, you know, have won a championship. They're so ensconced there, you know, that it's kind of a different uh, animal. And, and I mean, Portland's still kind of got its this quirkiness about it. Um, you know, I just, I don't know, man. I, I, it would give Seattle somebody, you know, conceivably to, to, uh, to compete with, right? And and because right right now Seattle's a poke to get out there. I mean, the closest team to Seattle, and I'm just spitballing here, would be San Francisco or, or Oakland. And Oakland's getting ready to leave, right? Yeah, it would be exactly. It would be San Francisco, who's not even in their um, right division. So, so that would give you a couple teams in that part of of the world um, for what that's worth. You know, the other thing about when you talk expansion, it doesn't look like that they're going to keep. Uh, an AL and an NL in a sense. In other words, you're just going to have maybe eight, four team divisions. And, you know, you're going to have more kind of regional rivalry play. Uh, so I don't know. That's, it's just, you know, I, I, it'll be interesting to see how it's kicked around it really will be. All right. Uh, that is our uh, opening monologue here for you. So the possibility of baseball coming to, uh, to Greenville, I'll go ahead and put this up on uh, our, uh, our, our, social media for uh, 94.3 The Game, if you want to check it out. And again, Alan Wooten, uh, we all know Alan uh, wrote about uh, this. So, all right, uh, let's do a giveaway now. Caller three for a family four-pack of tickets to tomorrow night's ECU South Florida game. 252-561-TALK. That's 252-561-8255. If you're caller three, you'll be a winner. We'll have a pirate report when we come back. And now, Patrick Johnson with today's Pirate Report on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. All right, all right, all right, all right. Um, Pilk, did uh, we get a winner? We did. Billy was our winner. All right, Billy, the big winner of the family four-pack to tomorrow night's basketball game. Uh, we'll have it for you here on 94.3, the game at uh, 7 o'clock. So uh, 6.30 will be the airtime, also on 107.9 WNCT. All right, uh, some of the audio we uh, didn't get to with the position players for uh, ECU baseball. We're going to talk college baseball uh, coming up with uh, Jonathan Wagner of On3 Sports, ECU guy. So uh, looking forward to catching up with him. Let's uh, hear from Jacob Starling when asked about uh, how he prepares for late game, moment, uh, game moments. He had a couple of uh, late game heroics last season. You know, we prepare for those moments. You know, we take a lot of time off the field to get your mind ready for it so you're not sped up in those moments. So, you know, I got to credit all the, all the work we do off the field. 
and uh, more from Jacob Starling on uh, the infield practice with Coach Palumbo. Yeah, they're, they're not easy, you know. It's, uh, it's typically about 30 minutes of rapid ground ball work, so, you know, you got to make sure your body's prepared and, you know, you have the, the focus to take each rep with full intent, and, you know, that's how I, I've improved as an infielder. All right, and he talked about the importance of taking care of your body over the break. It's extremely important. Um, I think this group's done a great job of taking care of their business over break. Um, everybody came back in shape, stronger, faster. So, you know, it just goes to show the maturity of this team. And uh, one more from Jacob Starling talking about how uh, Greenville is a special place to play baseball. Crazy. Um, you know, coming from Orlando, Florida, you know, I knew nothing about Greenville, East Carolina baseball. So, you know, I was, I was pretty, you know, I was pretty surprised when I got here just to see the fan base. And, you know, we're selling out games on a Tuesday when it's, 40 degrees outside, so, you know, it's a special place. All right, uh, and uh, now for uh, JJC, we'll hear from him. Uh, he talks about uh, this Jenkins Coward uh, coming back from his uh, injury that he suffered last year when he had the uh, foul ball off a strategically placed area. Pretty painful, but, uh, you know, the impact was kind of just longer uh, lasting than I wanted it to be. I kind of... You know, I played uh, through some some soreness for sure, but um, uh, once I came back here in the summer, uh, put a lot of weight back on, um, got got healthy, and now I'm feeling better than ever. All right, more from uh, Jacob Jenkins Coward on uh, the new hitting coach. Yeah, um, Henry Henry's been a great help to me and all the hitters. Uh, he came in and really. I mean, nothing we talked about before, nothing's really wrong with my swing, but we wanted to fine-tune some things. We wanted to uh, work on the approach because I swing a lot. I'm a free swinger, so to really fine-tune the approach to um, middle of the field, middle of the way, and stuff like that, but he's really helped me with the mental side of hitting just as much as the physical. All right, and uh, JJC knows he uh, can't listen to all the preseason hype. Uh, getting, going into last year is... You know, there's a lot more hype around my name, you could say, and I kind of listen to what all you guys say, no offense, but uh, um, people were telling me how good I was, and I kind of just let off the gas a little bit, and this year I kind of realized <clears throat> this is a lot bigger than me, so I'm not really worried about, obviously I'm worried about how I play, but the bigger picture is uh, more important for me this year. All right, uh, let's go to uh, Justin Wilcoxon. Talks about the seniors, and uh, that group knows what it takes to win. Um, I think it's extremely important. I think we have a lot of seniors that are coming back, a lot of guys who it's their last year. They really know what it takes to be successful. Um, me, Carter, Starr, some other guys as well, and guys like JC and Trey who are extreme competitors. I think we're all trying to push everybody in the right direction, and we all know what it takes, and we know that everyone has to believe in it to be successful. All right, and uh, more from Justin Wilcoxon uh, talking about uh, the recovery from his injury. This offseason, I, I kind of eased back just a little bit just to get my feet back underneath me, my strength back. Um, but right now in the fall and Throughout this spring so far, I've basically been getting treatment, doing mobility for my shoulder and uh, my lower back and my legs basically every day. So I'm just trying to work on some movement stuff and getting some more flexibility in there so I don't have to worry about anything later in the year. 
All right, and uh, he talks about the uh, group of uh, catchers, a talented core, undoubtedly. I think this is probably the most talented catching core we've had. It seems like it gets better every year. Um, Ryan and Walker both have big arms. Uh, they can really throw the ball, and Walker's very talented for coming in as a freshman. And I think with some development, he can be a real impact player down the line. Um, Ryan, big bat, can throw the ball really well, can block the ball really well. I mean, just a really solid catching core, and there's a good relationship between all three of us, so we're always bouncing ideas off each other and learning from each other as well. All right, Carter Cunningham now, and uh, he talks about bouncing back from adversity. Um, I attribute it back to Coach Galvin and Coach Bortles. Um, last year they were uh, – they believed in me. They instilled confidence in me, um, and – the cliche that baseball is a game of failure is a real thing, but once you kind of learn to uh, handle that adversity and, and start building some confidence, it's uh, it's only up from there. So I attribute it to those guys and then the, the confidence piece, obviously. All right, more from Carter Cunningham, uh, who talks about some of his influences. Man, I just I, I think back to a lot of people that have poured into me. Um, Probably the most significant person is, is Mike Amen. He uh, he was a huge blessing to me and my family. To me and my family, um, and then obviously the relationship that I have with Coach Godwin um, obviously helps that. And that's a testament to the coaches because they care more about you as a person than they do as a player. And uh, he talks about the uh, in-state competition uh, with uh, the likes of uh, Duke and North Carolina and NC State, uh, all top twenty-five. Teams you have Campbell as well. Wilmington's a a top uh, team uh, and uh, a team that can uh, compete to go to the NCAA's every year. So uh, Carter Cunningham on that. It's always fun to play those in-state schools um, and to think about how like the quality of baseball in the state of North Carolina is. It only helps us. It only makes us better. Um, but obviously those those rivalry games are always fun to be a part of. Um, I think they bring out the best in both teams, and that's why they're on our schedule. Uh, Coach Godwin and Coach Palumbo, Palumbo do a great job of of scheduling those games. So it's fun for us. It's fun for the fans. And at the end of the day, it just makes us better. All right. And then putting the team in the best possible position to succeed, Carter Cunningham on that. I think myself is more of a, a leader on the team. And um, my job is really just to ensure that we show up to practice every day and, and get better. Um, I think I can obviously do a better job of that. Um, but my role on the team now is just to ensure that the guys are ready to go. Um, whether the, And for my personal role, I'd, I'll do whatever it takes to help the team win. If it's first base, it's first base. If it's left field, it's left field. It, it doesn't matter to me. Um, but my job as a, as a player and as a leader right now is just to ensure that the guys are ready to go because we still got three weeks till the season starts and we still got plenty of work left to do. All right. Uh, very good stuff there. Uh, Pilk, uh, we've got Pirate Baseball uh, coming up in a little over two weeks. It'll be on uh... – uh, the uh, second weekend of uh, February, and Ryder will be the uh, opponent. So uh, looking forward uh, to that uh, very much. Uh, Pilk, have we gotten through everything that we had for media day? Is there anything else that we need to, to look at uh, pulling in? Now, I think we've d- done about it all. We've gone through the hitters, the pitchers, the coaches. Okay. Uh, all right. We've used it. All right. Very good. Um Let's uh, grab a uh, timeout, but first, Philip the Ref Pilkington with a 94-3 the game sports flash update and uh, pirate report. 
and uh, then we'll get Jonathan Wagner. Is he doing video with this Pilk, or are we doing um, phone with him? There he is. He's on video. Oh, is he? Yeah. Wave to the Let's people, Wags. Oh, there he is. All right. Look at him. Feast your eyes, ladies. All right, Jonathan Wagner, when we come back talking college baseball, uh, right after this on the Patrick Johnson Show. Uh, but first, here's Philip. Thanks, P-Man. The Pirate basketball team will try and make it three in a row tomorrow. They've had a few close gutsy wins here the last two times out. Coach Schwartz said it's important to get off your feet even after a win when the games have been as tight as they've been. It's funny you say that. Win or lose, sometimes the energy and, and just obviously all the emotion that goes into any game, regardless home or away. Um, but it, much better in terms of if you're, if you're laying in bed or you're sitting there watching tape or you're having a hard time uh, getting some rest, it's much better knowing that it was coming off of a win. The Pirates will be back in action tomorrow at 7 o'clock when they host the South Florida Bulls. You can hear the network coverage beginning right here on 94.3 The Game at 6.30. The Carolina Panthers have hired their new offensive coordinator, 32-year-old Brady Idzik, who was most recently the Bucks wide receivers coach, is expected to be the new OC. However, he is not expected to call plays. The Steelers have also landed their new offense coordinators. They hired former Falcons head coach Arthur Smith. Speaking of offensive coordinators, Ben Johnson has announced that he will return as the Lions OC. He was rated as one of the top head coaching prospects entering the offseason. Washington and Seattle are still without openings. However, the commanders did interview Cowboys defensive coordinator Dan Quinn earlier today. He also was a former Atlanta Falcons head coach. Pirate diver Frenda Zunga Guzman was named the conference's diver of the week. And former Pirate quarterback Gardner Minshew has been named to the 2024 Pro Bowl roster as a replacement. That'll do it for your 94.3 Game Sports Flash update and Pirate Report. We will be back with Jonathan Wagner on the other side of this timeout. Have you noticed he's in his own little happy hour? We're back to the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. This is the happy hour program. Here's the P-Man. All right. Uh, we're uh, operating out of the Working Man's Beach uh, again this uh, week. Philip will be hosting the show tomorrow. Uh, then we'll have uh, a Thursday edition for you. We'll give you the deets. Uh, Philip will give you the deets on that tomorrow. Uh, we're going to be doing the uh, video portion at a special time. And then uh, same thing for Friday. Uh, as uh, we typically like to do. So uh, we'll, uh, we'll be uh, uh, up and running and uh, a lot to talk about here. It's a crazy week in the state of North Carolina, crazy sports week. And it is uh, uh, one week away from the uh, Super Bowl. So uh, a lot of things to uh, a lot of things to discuss, as uh, someone once uh, said. All right, um, let's see here. Uh, let's go now. Jonathan Wagner, Wags, as I like to call him, joins us uh, here on three sports. He's been uh, killing it for them in the uh, recent years. And uh, now Wags is uh, going to be uh, covering college baseball. He's kind of their college baseball guru uh, for uh, for uh, on three. And he joins us uh, here. Jonathan, I hope you're well, buddy. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm glad it's almost baseball season. Glad to be back talking about it. So thanks for having me on. Well, uh, so as we kind of, you know, look into the season ahead, uh, you know, LSU was the, the team that uh, captured it all, and they were sort of the super team put together, the, 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 real, the program that went out and really invested heavily in NIL. They had uh, some bumps in the road, but uh, obviously figured it out when they needed to. 
Um, is, is that still a, a uh, uh, well, let, let me phrase it a different way. Is that the model now that teams that have had means to go out and collect players via NIL, is that what they are doing now after they've seen it hey, work for LSU? Yeah, I think it's it's definitely a factor and a big one at that. I mean, you look at LSU, Paul Skeens was such a big part of what they did. And if NIL wasn't a thing, does he end up there? I don't know, but he was the prize and they got him. And they've done it again. You look at this past season, guys like Braden Montgomery, really good two-way guy, um, previously at Stanford. He's now at Texas A&M. Does that factor in? He, Stanford's a good baseball program, so – I mean, it's part of the roster building process now and, you know, love it or hate it, but it's here and it's not going away. And for the guys who do enter the portal, some of them just want better opportunities, but some of them are going in for the NIL opportunities as well. So you really can't deny what kind of an impact it has had. There's recruiting that goes on once uh, guys commit somewhere and they have a great season. I mean, that happens now in every sport. They're getting recruited by other college programs in season while they're at whatever their college uh, is. Um, would you say, but it seems like with baseball, though, there's, I don't know if it's just because of the, you know, the fraternity of coaches are a little, maybe a little closer. Uh, there's more connections among them, but boy, it, it seems like, when you get into talking about NIL and portal in baseball, which has all the unwritten rules, it seems like a lot of them are being broken uh, more so than any other sport. Yeah, I think that's definitely fair to say. And with baseball, like you said, just in general, not even looking at NIL, the portal, there are so many unwritten rules, you know, baseball is just, it's different in that regard. And You know, I think so when something in college baseball specifically, you know, out of the norm comes into play, you notice it that much more. And, you know, baseball, obviously, it's you have a nine man lineup, you have a pitching rotation and bullpen. You have a big roster is the point I'm getting at. And you have to fill it and you can do it with freshman recruiting. But especially now with all of these fifth year guys still, I think this is the last year going in of the fifth years due to the COVID year. And all that stuff factoring in that that's a that had that's had a big impact as well. So I'll be interested to see, you know, starting next year once we're back into a normal four year cycle for players traditionally, and I'll be interested to see how that kind of factors into it. Jonathan Wagner on three sports uh, joining us uh, here. Um, we'll get to nationally who you like. Uh, let's uh, start close to home with East Carolina. There's new teams in the American uh, coming in UTSA, UAB, Rice, uh, Charlotte, and uh, Florida Atlantic. So what do these five teams bring to the AAC? Hope. I mean, it's no offense <laughs> to any of the teams going out, but I mean, you look at it's year in, year out, and we talk about how crappy ECU's conference schedule is because that's what it was with UCF, Houston, Cincinnati, all those, all those schools. But, you know, and I'm not, I'm not here to say it's going to be that much substantially better, but you look at Charlotte, they've traditionally had a pretty good team at the very least. They're good about having a couple of good players at a time. And, you know, rice is down. I think a lot of people look at rice and think that, Oh, rice is traditionally a good program. They're not very good anymore. But, you know, we've seen what they can do in the past. And just in general, I think the floor is a little bit higher with some of these teams coming in. UTSA was in the discussion to host up until, you know, 
probably about a month left in the regular season last year. So just in general, I think it's some new blood, and I think it's very needed. And I think ECU will be, will be tested a little bit more throughout the season, which will only help once you do get into the postseason. Uh, you have ECU, obviously. Uh, anybody else that is back that you think will have a, a be an improved team? Uh, I mean, Tulane you know, had the, the coaching change. Memphis was a bit of a surprise, but then they had their coach uh, move on. Uh, Wichita State, it's been uh, kind of a little bit of, uh, of some uncertainty with the coaching changes out that's gone on out there. Um, so how, how do you see ultimately the conference shaking out? Is it still ECU and everybody else, or is there there's somebody either out of this new group or the old group that can maybe challenge the Pirates? Yeah, I think it's pretty easily ECU at one, and I say that unbiased. It's just that's just the, that's a fact. And, you know, behind them, I think Charlotte could play in, but they lost a couple pieces too, but they're still a good program. UTSA could fight up there. But, you know, I mean, I look at someone like South Florida, and I don't think they have the pitching to challenge you see at the top. But when you're debating the teams that could be in that two range, I think South Florida, they probably do have the best lineup one to nine behind ECU. And, and I haven't had time to go through every single team quite yet, but USF had a lot of guys on the all-conference team preseason. So, and we've seen what they can do when they get hot. So USF is a team that I'm looking at, but I think Charlotte and UT, UTSA are going to be right there as well. And Memphis could challenge for number two as well. All right. Uh, let's uh, talk about this pirate team. We know who the one and the two are going to be rotation-wise. There's a bunch of guys that are vying for that third weekend spot. Uh, and uh, even the midweek spot. So do you think uh, that there's truly an abundance there, or is it like the, the deal in football? Well, if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have, you don't have a quarterback, uh, where if you have five or six guys, you maybe don't have that definitive starter, or do you think there's enough wiggle room with the talent on the roster and the pitching depth uh, in the pen to kind of massage that and figure out whose role that's going to be? Yeah, I, I'm very high on this pitching staff. And, you know, we know what Trey Savage is capable of, and he'll probably pitch Friday nights. And Zach Root, we saw glimpses as a freshman. So I think with him, I, I want to see it still before I go out and say that I'm 100% comfortable in this pitching staff. But if Zach Root becomes what we all expect him to on Saturdays or Fridays, whichever one he ends up at, then you're in good shape no matter what. But I think in past years we've heard, you know, this might be the deepest pitching staff ECU has ever had. But when I look at this year's team, I think this is the most experienced and deep group of maybe new guys coming in. You have Chris Kaler. We saw him George Washington last year. You have Jay Connor. I think he was a little bit better out of the bullpen last year, but he's definitely an option to start. And Wyatt Lunsford Shankman, he added a couple pitches. He's a guy you personally, I would probably have him in the bullpen and, but if he's starting and he has a couple new pitches, and man, he could be good too. And, you know, whether freshman Ethan Norby, he might get some midweek looks. Um, and there's, there's so many guys. There's really, and I know I'm missing a couple here, yeah. but there's so many. Do you think, do you think Kaler, that makes the most sense for him to maybe be given the ball in that role? I mean, obviously he's got to perform and he's got to prove he could do it. But I mean, just based on track record, he's a guy that's used to starting. He tied the Pirates up in knots last year in his start against him in Greenville. So, I mean, he's obviously a very capable guy. A lot less pressure on him if he dropped back to a three 
uh, than being the guy that's going to trot out there on Friday night. So to me, he seems like the one that would make the most sense in that role. Yeah, I completely agree. And if I had to predict today who will pitch on Sundays, it would be Chris Kaler. And I mean, for him too, it's, you know, he's been a starter in his career and at least last year he was. So I think the transition from starter back to bullpen is, is an interesting one too. And for a guy who does have experience, he has thrown innings before. I would be interested to see how that goes. But again, you have options, but if I'm picking today, it's Chris Kaler. And I just think he gives you the best, the most upside probably. And I think his floor is probably the highest as well. Uh, we're talking to Jonathan Wagner with uh, on three. Uh, the there, there are questions with this ECU team. I don't, you know, there's no there's no bones about that. You have the corners, and uh, there, there's some some depth in the outfield. Let's just say. Um, so, ultimately, uh, do you think offensively this team will be v- uh, scary? I'm not sure if I'm willing to say scary, but I think going into the off season. I was with kind of a lot of the fan base and, you know, go out and get a bat. And, you know, they got Chaz Myers, who I think a Pacific transfer, and he could play third base, could play first base, will probably DH. He's a power righty bat, and a righty bat, that's what you need. But, you know, that wasn't quite what I think everyone was hoping for, and it was pretty quiet outside of that. But, you know, in the end, I trust Cliff Godwin to develop batters. And when I look at this lineup, I think, you know, maybe last year you had your starting nine and then you had maybe two guys, three guys on the bench that maybe you trusted to come in. And this year I think it's deeper. And I think maybe the prized portal, it wasn't a portal addition, but your prized addition to this roster is Bristol Carter, true freshman. You don't want to put too much pressure on the kid coming in, making his collegiate debut, but he's a right-handed bat. He's going to play center field from day one. And, I mean, I think he's good enough to lead off from day one. So, scary, I would say no. But do they have potential if everything comes together? Absolutely. All right. Uh, Wags, can we get you to hold through a break or do you got to go? I know you had you had some no. stuff going on. But okay. Uh, we're going to have more yeah. Jonathan White. I want to talk about the ACC. I kind of want to talk about the landscape uh, in, in full. Uh, uh, but before we go to break, Wags, give me an idea. What, what's, the, what's the ceiling? What's the mat? I'll tell you what, we'll do that when we come back. Uh, Wags will give us kind of what he thinks, uh, you know, the, 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 what's the sky's the limit prediction for ECU uh, this year, and then what's the minimum. So uh, we'll continue. I'll watch a little Matlock during the uh, break, and uh, we'll come back with uh, Jonathan Wagner to wrap up the show right after this. And now, the stunning conclusion of the show. It's the P-Man here on 94.3 The Game. All right, uh, final segment of the program here. Jonathan Wagner's with us. Has the ACC, well, let's, before we get into that, I'm so, I'm, I've got so much to talk about here, and I know we got a, a minimal amount of time. Uh, Wags, how about, uh, the what's the pirate ceiling this year i mean is omaha with a group that does have some offensive questions that there are you know some roles not yet clearly defined with the pitching staff a lot of talent veteran coaching staff great coaching staff but uh is is omaha while it's on the the set of goals and you never know what can happen is it a tad ambitious uh or do you think that this team has real designs on, on legitimately getting there 
I think, and obviously it's tough. Omaha is tough for any team, even some of ECU's most talented teams. But to me, it all depends on is your one-two punch in the rotation going to be elite? And Trey Savage is elite. We believe Zach Root can be elite. And if they're both elite together, then the ceiling is Omaha. And if you can hit, I think Dixon Williams is going to break out this year. Bristol Carter, like I said earlier, if he comes in and hits like we think he can as a freshman, then this team has a lot of potential. And I think even more than maybe some are giving them credit for. So if you savage and root, will take him to Omaha, they'll go. Has the ACC caught up with the SEC as far as the deepest conference? Not best, but deepest. Man, it might. And, you know, I think the SEC has, I believe, more teams in the top 25. I don't know the numbers off the top of my head. But, man, when you look at the top of the ACC, it's just there's so many teams bunched together right there. Obviously, Wake Forest is number one. And, you know, you have Clemson in the top 10, Duke, NC State, Virginia, North Carolina, all bunched together right there in the top 15. And, man, those are all really quality teams and there's more outside Louisville has been good. And I mean, I'm not going to go through every team, but the sec is definitely probably still, I would say a little bit deeper just since they have more, I think top 25 caliber, top 25 friends teams, but the ACC has the best team in wake forest to me. And I think that matters too, but man, those two, it's definitely one and two for them. And then it's the rest pretty noticeably behind. Pirates will get, obviously, uh, three of those you mentioned with, uh, with uh, State, uh, Carolina, and, uh, and Duke. The NC State thing with Alex Makarevich and AMAC going there, and he'll come back uh, and play uh, uh, a member of the roster conceivably. And, you know, unless there's a health situation, he'll, be, uh, he'll probably be in the lineup when the Pirates uh, host the, the Wolfpack. How do you see that whole scenario playing out this year? as far as, you know, when AMAC comes here, when the Pirates go to Raleigh. And then, you know, we're, we're hearing AMAC looking really good in fall ball, from what I understand. Yeah, I mean, it's that, that's definitely – it might be the storyline to watch um, if you're looking at individual games and matchups this season. I think that might top the list for me. And AMAC, he obviously did a lot here in his time in Greenville, but – now he's over there at State, and, you know, look, a lot of the fans are going to have, oh, he went to State, oh, traitor, and all this kind of stuff. But you, you might think that might not matter, but when you're walking up to Greenville and Clark Clare Stadium, and we've seen how that game can get crazy without that kind of storyline. So I think this year is going to be just, oh, a brand new type of feeling, and I'm excited for it. But in the end, I know he's going to be pumped to come back and – Realistically, let's be real. He's probably going to go yard when he comes back too. <laughs> well, it would be a story. Um, uh, with the, the Pirates and Tar Heels, they're going to play one another in that uh, series, one in Chapel Hill, one in Fayetteville, one in Greenville. Uh, how's Steve Forbes' team uh, set up for the se- season ahead? Carolina, they're, they're an interesting team, and some – Devastating news came out today for them. Jake Knapp, I think he was going to be the Friday night starter and towards UCL, so he's done for the season. And for a team that's biggest question mark is pitching, that that really stinks. And they're going to have to rely on freshmen now. And they have an Elon transfer, Shea Sprague. 
had good numbers at Elon. Will he translate to the ACC? We'll see. But again, with them, I think even though they lost Matt Corvath, they're going to be able to out-hit most of the teams I play. And they hit the portal <laughs> hard for some additions. They have some nice freshmen coming in. But if Vance Honeycutt bounces back, then they're going to be right there. And it's just a matter of can they pitch. And I'm not sure, to be honest with you. Um, who are the best? I mean, what what's who are the who are the real contenders for Omaha this year in your mind? I've, you mentioned Wake Forest locally, and and you think East Carolina, but I mean, who are the teams that that are going to be in that grouping of, you know, how deep it is? Yeah, Wake Forest is the one. I think I'm not making my national championship prediction here, but if if I was, what then on? it would probably it's the Patrick Johnson between... show wags. Wait a minute, wags. You know what? <laughs> Okay, you know, Patrick, I'll give you that. I think Wake Forest in Florida, it would be between them two for my national champion. Pick. Okay. I All love right. I love that. Florida. They they have yeah. obviously the, probably the best player in the country, Jack Caglione, and they hit the portal hard too. And but look, LSU might have lost some notable pieces, but do not count out Jay Johnson. Tommy White, we've seen him around here too. Tommy White's probably the best power hitter in the country, but Jay Johnson's one heck of a baseball coach, and if I'm betting my money, it, it is always hard to look away from Jay Johnson because I love what he's doing at LSU. Um, great to talk to you, uh, and uh, we'll get you on throughout the course of the season. Be awesome to do that. Uh, and uh, I guess is it NC State's media days coming up next week, or is it this week? I be- I think it was this past. I don't know if they had a big old official media day i think they did it just before okay. practice but i could i could be wrong oh. i don't take my word for it okay all right i didn't know if you were going to that uh, or not because i know you've been to a couple of them so all right hey wags thanks a lot we'll uh we'll see you around thank you yeah man thanks for having me on all right jonathan wagner good stuff there previewing the baseball season he does a fantastic job for on three a real uh real uh up-and-comer in the uh in the media game all right uh Pilk, you'll you'll uh, hold this thing down tomorrow, right? I will, and and rumor is we will have a live guest from Williams Arena Minji's Coliseum. Is that true? All right. Well, uh, we'll see. If we'll not, see. I'll pass the phone to somebody else. <laughs> All righty. Um, I'm pulling the Henry Hinton. I'm calling my own show, or the show's calling me. All right. Uh, that'll be tomorrow, five o'clock. Pilk will be here. Thanks to Jonathan Wagner for being with us here today. Uh, back in the morning on talk of the town on talk one Oh three, seven and 96, three and back here, uh, with Philip Pilkington at five o'clock on the IBX, uh, media app at 94, three, the game with the PJ show tomorrow. Uh, I'll be on ESPN plus tomorrow for ECU and USF as they take on, uh, one another from Minji's Coliseum. Cy Seymour will be alongside. All right. Thanks to intern William as well. Uh, have a great rest of your evening, everybody. 